it's a chancy job, and it makes a man watchful and a little lonely. Come on in for an evening of poems and stories about the American West. A land of legend, of romance, of friendship and courage. A motherload of remembrance. A true showcase of the Old West with the old cowboy, J.C. Holsey. Gold fever is infectious. Not in a flu-like way. Instead, it captures men's minds and passions and lingers with them seemingly forever. A lot of men have caught it. For some, it started in childhood when they read about it in books. Others contracted the fever when they heard stories from weary travelers and prospectors. It doesn't seem to matter where or how they got the fever. Many spent years, and even their entire lives, searching for gold. The legendary Lost Dutchman Mine supposedly located in the Superstition Mountains is one story that has grabbed a hold of a lot of men. Many have claimed there's a curse about the legendary Lost Dutchman Mine and the Superstition Mountains themselves. The local Pima Indians held the mountains in some respect and even fear, and had a legend of an ancient flood in which people were turned into stone pillars, hence the name Superstition Mountains. There's been all kinds of fantastic tales told about the Superstition Mountains, from wild bands of Apache warriors still hiding out in the mountains, to Aztecs living in caves, UFOs, dimension doors, and even incredible reports. The famous Roosevelt Dam was constructed using stone from the Superstition Mountains, and some 22 deaths were involved in the construction of the dam. When the first water came over the overflow and was saved, it was used to christen a famous battleship, the USS Arizona. Some 25 years later, the Arizona became the most disastrous loss in the Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor, and more than 1,000 men went down with the ship. Though many of the damaged U.S. battleships were later raised and repaired, the Arizona remains lying on the bottom of the harbor, where a monument now stands on her structure. Are these just coincidences, or is there a curse? How many deaths are attributed to the Superstition Mountains? Nobody's been able to obtain an exact number of the people who lost their lives or simply gone missing in these mountains. Some estimate there are over 600 victims of the so-called curse. More than 100,000 people have searched for the infamous Lost Dutchman Mine in the Superstition Mountains, and over 300 have claimed to have found it. So you decide, is there a curse? On today's show, we have a guest that claims to have found the legendary Lost Dutchman Mine. You know, the Internet has opened up a world beyond even my imagination. I remember back in the day when I thought my family was the only Hulses in the whole wide world. And the folks I had jam sessions with and played country music, we thought we was the only people that loved country music the way we did. But on the Internet, I found so many talented folks that love country music as much as I do, and they're doing their part to keep country music alive and well in today's world. This is one of those young men. This is Jeremy Pennell singing... The Way Country Sounds. Grab a hammer and drive you a nail. We'll spend your weekends in the county jail. We'll see your friends. 
enjoyed that Jeremy thanks so much now we're going to be playing more of Jeremy's music in the future but right now let's visit with our guest we want to welcome to the Wild West Showdown today author Lon Safko welcome Mr. Safko hey thank you glad to be here all right you live in California right now can you tell me where you were born I was born in upstate New York on the Hudson River uh, in Ossining I spent 30 years in Sing 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 Sing. Well, that was the name of the town. I was to say, <laughs> Sing Sing sounds like a bad place to be. <laughs> no, as long as you're on the outside of the wall. You there know. you go. Okay. And you spent how long there, you said? Uh, 32 years. 32 years. Yeah. 
How do you like the difference between New York and California? Well, you know, I really like it in the wintertime. I imagine so. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's really beautiful. Is New York where you started uh, doing your business? No, actually, um, Phoenix. I lived in Phoenix for 20 years, and that's where I learned a lot about uh, the Western culture. Okay. All right, then let me let me ask it this way. Uh, you lived in New York. You lived in Phoenix. You lived in California. Where else have you lived? Washington State. Washington State. Yep, and that's it. Just, just those four places. That's pretty far up there, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, the Pacific Northwest. Also beautiful and completely different culture. Okay, you write business books. Uh, is that what you do for a living is business stuff? Well, yeah, it's business stuff. Uh, my best-selling business book, The Social Media Bible, did really well. And now I travel all over the world. Matter of fact, uh, next week I'm off to uh, Singapore, Kuala Lumpur, Bangkok, Dubai, and then Sri Lanka. And then I get back, and then I'm off to Zurich, Switzerland. Okay. And what are you doing? What well, are you pre Presenting and teaching executives advanced digital marketing. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. Sounds pretty important and pretty tough. <laughs> it is, and that's why writing uh, westerns is a heck of a lot of fun. Oh, I imagine so. You bet. Yeah, that sounds like it would be mighty hard to teach executives anything, you know, because the executives, <laughs> all, all of them I've ever met in my life, is always knew more than anybody else, according to them. <laughs> that's absolutely the truth. So, they are tough hombres. So that sounds like a. Uh, let me ask this: Do you have a family? Yeah, luckily I'm an empty nester, so okay. it's just my wife and I. We have uh, three kids and six grandkids already, okay. so we're enjoying each other's company now. All right, your six kids, do you, you see them entering into the same kind of business you're in? No, well, kind of, I guess, it, yes. Two out of the three of them are uh, teachers, and I, essentially that's what I am as well. All right, sure. Okay, how about your grandkids? Uh, they're still a little bit young. They're nine to sixteen, so they're they're still finding themselves as teenagers. All right. Are any of your kids interested in being an author? You know, oddly enough, no. They just kind of watch what I do and enjoy it. But uh, no one has picked up the pen yet. All right. You write books about about your business, and now you've decided to branch out into a western. Uh, explain to me why you decided to do that. Well, back when I moved into Phoenix for the first time in about 1989, I'd heard about the most famous legend in the state of Arizona uh, called the Lost Dutchman Gold Mine. Okay. It, it, absolutely fascinating. And I, I thought it was interesting, especially being new to the Southwest and the whole cowboy culture. Mm -hmm. So I studied it quite a bit and realized that it was it had gone missing back in the 1860s. 350 people had died trying to find it, and still no one has ever found it. So I kind of looked at it as a challenge, and I thought, I'm going to find this thing where no one else has been able to. So I worked on it for about three years because I have an engineering surveying background. Okay. And took a completely different approach, and in 1992, I found the Lost Dutchman Gold Mine. And I brought it to the uh, state attorney general, who at the time was also the state historian. He looked over the information, Grant Woods, and uh, gave it a thumbs up. Hmm. You actually found it. I actually found it. That was the good news. Are you sure you're not giving me some fiction in your book here? <laughs> <laughs> and that's the cool thing is that the stories in this series of four books, The Lost Secret of the Lost Dutchman, okay. each of the four stories, they're all based on actual real-life characters 
that took place. The fourth one, of course, is going to be Jacob Waltz, who was the lost Dutchman. Mm -hmm. but the three books, one, uh, one through three, are pivotal characters in history that actually caused Jacob Waltz to find this, the, the richest gold mine ever in North America. So it's kind of interesting that you can bring that history in, and then you can learn about each of these three different characters, not knowing that the fourth book is actually going to pull all the books together into, into one story. That's great. So you actually did the research. You went out with a, uh, with your prospecting tools and, <laughs> and, and looked it up. Yeah, for three hot years yeah. out in the desert, my stepson Eric and I, uh, we read 35 books on the subject and took notes and, and then pulled some of the original territorial maps from the 1860s uh, that are still uh, in the archives of uh, ASU uh, University and looked at the maps and did field research. And then suddenly one afternoon, we walked right upon it. The people that buy your business books, are they going to be buying your Western, you think? Well, you know, I was a little bit nervous because I've spent the last 15, 20 years building myself as strictly a professional writer. Sure. Mm -hmm. And now this is such a completely different uh, genre. And I did. I sent it out to about uh, 25,000 uh, uh, people who follow me in business. Mm -hmm. I was a little nervous. But the response came back really well. They're buying it like crazy. Oh, that's great. I had no idea there was that many Western fans. Oh, there's there's more than you can count. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. That's true. All right. Now, let me ask you this. What kind of books do you read? Oh, goodness. Well, you know, up until recently, uh, just business books, innovation, creative mm -hmm. thinking. But now that I'm starting to enjoy this whole Western genre, I want to learn more about it. That's great. All right, so when you write your book, do you use an outline? Just ba basically, I'll come up with some of the main bullet points that I'm going to talk about, and then I'll turn each one into a chapter heading, and then put a couple of bullets, what I'd like to discuss. And then, you know, basically, once I have the chapters and I have at least two bullet ideas that I want to expand on, I just sit down, start the first chapter, start with the first bullet, and then expand it into a... Uh, 2,000 words or so, go to the second bullet, and then just kind of repeat that process through the whole book. So it's kind of a rough outline. Sounds like an outline to me. I can't do it that way. No? How do you do it? I just sit down and start writing. Yeah. I, in fact, I don't do it. My characters write my stories. Isn't that funny? It is so true. Yes. You're absolutely right. Once you start thinking like your character, mm -hmm. you're just actually transcribing what they're doing. I just grab a shirt tail and hang on. <laughs> yeah, okay. but I just learned that. You're absolutely yeah. right. It's How called, much fun. It's called a panzer. Panzer? I never heard that before. Yeah, it's by the seat of your pants. <laughs> okay. How do you pick the title and the covers for your book? They, again, you know, I kind of think they pick themselves. Uh, the, the first book is called Massacre with an exclamation. And it's all about Miguel Peralta, third-generation Spanish conquistador, and he goes up into the superstitions to, to mine gold for the very last time because uh, Mexico is selling the Arizona Territory to the United States, and the Spanish conquistadors can't go back anymore. So they're gathering the gold, and the Apache Indians are getting cranky, and then the next thing you know, they attack, and they chase 400 conquistadors into a blind canyon. Oh, I'm giving away the plot. But let's just say that there's a massacre. And that area, even today, is called the Massacre Grounds, hmm. based on what took place 150 years ago. 
So when I looked for the title for the book, it was Massacre. That's what it was. <laughs> I can hear in your voice, you're into this. <laughs> you caught me. <laughs> All right. How, do you have a publisher? Uh, well, yes, I'm working with Nick Well. Okay. And he's doing a really fine job doing all of the editing and, and helping with the cover and the art and the, sure. getting it up on uh, Amazon. I mean, for this book, of course, um, I, I work with uh, Pearson Educational, uh, John Wiley and Sons, and McGraw Hill on the business side. So Nick Well is also handling your marketing. Yeah, for right now, for the first book, he's, he seems to be doing a very good job because he, he understands the genre and I don't. I understand marketing, so I'm kind of helping Sure. guidance. This is going to be a series of how many books? It's going to be a series of four books. Okay. Uh, Massacre, and then we just finished, uh, I finished the book Love, Lust, Death, uh, which is the book number two. Mm-hmm. Book number three is coming, and then book number four is going to be The Secret of the Lost Dutchman, where it pulls all of the previous books together into the final story. Okay. And then what do you got on tap for after that? <laughs> I'm not really sure yet. There's oh, I know you got something. You got an idea. <laughs> I have a couple of ideas. You're okay. Point. You really can see right through me. Yes. Yeah. I, a couple of ideas are not fleshed out yet, but yeah, this is fun. So I'm going yes. to be doing a lot more of this. It's not that I see through you or see it. It's just that I, I feel the same way. And I got, I got a dozen stories in my head and a dozen more on paper. Yep, yep, they're in my head. It's just a matter of moving them from the head to the paper. <laughs> How old are you? 60. Okay, when you was a kid, did you go to the Saturday matinee? Oh, of course. Every Saturday I could round up enough empty bottles. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, who was your favorite character in the movie? Oh, goodness. I don't know. I, I loved a lot of different guys. Of course, as a kid, you know, the action-adventure and I got to admit, I did love the Western characters. Mm-hmm. The little shorts that they played were amazing. Okay, do you remember how much a box of popcorn or a sack of popcorn cost? <laughs> no, but if you told me compared to today's prices, I might get a little angry. <laughs> <laughs> might do it. What kind of television do you watch? Or do you, you probably don't have time for much television, do you? Well, I spend a lot of time out of the country traveling. And when I get home, we'll, yeah, we'll watch kind of dramas my wife and i kind of like dramas we also like you know sitcoms and and then you know of course you sneak in that occasional western oh of course sure <laughs> have that. what was your favorite treat as a kid like candy cake something like that <laughs> really that's an itch that's interesting as a kid i was never into sweets so um it, it would be more like potato chips or popcorn okay. if it's popcorn i love popcorn all right. How about today? Do you have a favorite treat today? <laughs> Not much has changed except my waistline. Okay. So it's still right. potato chips and popcorn. <laughs> do you enjoy your job doing all that traveling? You know, I actually do. A lot of people think that it's, well, traveling, you know, isn't fun, but that's only part of it. But, you know, when you step into a room in Bangkok filled with top executives and they're all, they all want to learn, and you start talking and learning about their culture, and then you get on a plane, and the next day you're in Dubai, and you learn about that culture. To me, it's, it's, it's probably the most fascinating thing that I could ever hope to do. So I consider myself very, very lucky to be able to do this as a full-time profession. Have you ever considered writing a book about that kind of stuff? You know, that's pretty brilliant. No, I never thought about that. 
But you got a, you got a fantastic story there, and you're traveling. Just uh, just what you told me is the beginning of a story. You know that's true, and I get asked a lot about the you know the, the travel and the different types of culture, and you know what have I encountered? I mean, going into the Middle East, you know, especially after 9/11 and some of the other problems that you know we've had with the clash and the cultures. You know, I get asked that question a lot. Are you comfortable? Yeah, you go out to dinner with these people and you start to understand their side of the culture. Uh, and not the extremes, of course, but the business people. The one thing I learned is, is that no matter how different the cultures are, basically it's all human nature. We're all still humans. That's correct. How can folks get in touch with you? Uh, LonSafco.com is my main website. My name is Lon, L-O-N, last name is Safco. S as in Sam, A, F as in Frank, K-O. So LonSafco.com or head on over to Secret Lost Dutchman, secretlostdutchman.com. And you can learn more about the books, and there's free downloads. Believe it or not, you can just uh, sign in and download the entire town. Hmm. <laughs> they're little paper models, and they're, uh, they're a, uh, HO scale for trains if you want them. But you can reproduce the western town out of paper, and you build this three-dimensional town of all the different places and buildings that I talk about in the books. Something different. Is that Was that your idea or your publishing yeah. book? Yeah, that was my idea. I own a patent on three-dimensional internet advertising. Oh, great. Okay. Yeah, so I extended that idea to help the readers of the book. Okay, you have a Facebook page and a Twitter page? Yeah, being a world's expert in digital communication and social media, yeah, I got I got Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, G+, MySpace, yeah. Sure. The best way to get in touch with you is on your uh, web page then. Absolutely, and there's a contact button there in case you want to have a question or you want to contact me personally, and all the information's right there. What profession would you have been if you'd lived in the Wild West? I don't know if I would. I don't think I would have been a gunslinger, that's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) The retirement options are not that good. No, they're not. (laughs) Uh, You know, that's a really good question. I don't know. I'm thinking maybe politician. Nah, I don't know. Maybe banker. Nah. No, probably engineer. I'd like to be the engineer that, that helped uh, lay out and build the uh, transcontinental railroad that went through the West. That's very interesting. Yeah, right. I always figured if if I'd have lived back then, I would wouldn't have lived past my first trip to town. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They were dangerous times. They were. Yes. Uh, do you have any advice for anybody that might want to be an author? Absolutely. Follow your passion. Whatever you do, don't give up. First of all, contact you, because our conversation earlier said that uh, you help authors. Uh, you do a radio show that helps authors, and that you're, you do publishing, and that's awesome. So find the right publisher, and don't give up, and contact you for, for more information on that. Sounds good. Good advice. <laughs> Have you ever gotten discouraged in, in writing and decided that you didn't want to do it anymore? No, I think once you get bitten by that bug, I think it's in your blood. Uh, no, I, even with the business book, my first business book was 850 pages, 200,000 mm. words. I never once got discouraged. And now that I'm uh, writing the Westerns, it is so much fun. It is so exciting. No, I don't think I'll ever get discouraged doing this. Very good. That's a great answer. <laughs> We want to thank you for being a guest on the Wild West Showdown today, and I want to give you a special invitation to come back and visit any time. I appreciate it. It was a pleasure meeting you. All right. We'll talk to you later then, okay? Thank you, sir.
It's been a while since we heard from the Moron Brothers. This is one of their songs called The Rooster Song. I'm Lardo. And I'm Burley. And we're, we're the, the Moron, Moron Brothers. Got a frog in my throat. You know, Tim Farmer was telling me that he got him some chickens and he go raise chickens, sell eggs, make a lot of money. Yeah. And, well, he read in the magazine, farm magazine, where if you feed them silkworms, they'd lay better. Yeah. So uh, I, I seen him there, and he still been about six months, and I seen him up there. I said, Tim, how's your chickens done? He said, I've been feeding them silkworms. I said, well, how they done? He said, well, they're laying good, but all the eggs got pantyhose in them. Do the roof or something. All right, then. Them two fellers or something else, ain't they? Thanks so much, fellers. May the 20th, 1873 marked a historic day. The birth of the blue jeans. It was on that day that Levi Strauss and Jacob Davis obtained a U.S. patent on the process of putting rivets in men's work pants for the very first time. 
Leroy Strauss, a Bavarian-born dry goods merchant, came to San Francisco in 1853 at the age of 24 to open a West Coast branch of his brother's New York wholesale dry goods business. Over the next 20 years, he built his business into a very successful operation, making a name for himself. One of Levi's customers was a tailor named Jacob Davis. They made their first blue jeans out of denim, the traditional fabric for men's workwear. Within a very short time, the jean was a bona fide success. One day, the wife of a local laborer asked Jacob to make a pair of pants for her husband that wouldn't fall apart. Jacob tried to think of a way to strengthen his trousers and came up with the idea to put metal rivets at points of strain, like pocket corners in the base of the button fly. These riveted pants were an instant hit. Jacob quickly decided to take out a patent on the process, but he needed a business partner to help get the project rolling. He immediately thought of Levi Strauss, from whom he had purchased the cloth to make his riveted pants. Davis wrote to Levi to suggest that the two men hold the patent together. Levi, being an astute businessman, saw the potential for this new product and quickly agreed to Jacob's proposal. The two men received patent number 139,121 from the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office on May the 20th, 1873. Soon the first riveted clothing was made and sold. They made their first jeans out of denim, the traditional fabric for men's clothing. The next time you see somebody wearing a pair of Levi jeans, remember that these pants are a direct descendant of that first pair made back in 1873. That year, two visionary immigrants, Levi Strauss and Jacob Davis, turned denim, thread, and a little metal into what has become the most popular apparel on earth, the Levi Blue Jeans. Since last week's show, Outlaws Publishing has started two more subsidiaries for authors to publish their stories. We now have Gumshoe Publishing for mysteries, thrillers, and anything pertaining to detective-type stories. And we felt the need to start My Kids Books Publishing for all those children's book authors. What does all this mean to you, you may be asking? Well, what it means is Outlaws Publishing is still and always will be dedicated to helping all authors in their pursuit to reach that seemingly unattainable goal of being a bestseller. Maybe I should rephrase that statement. It may seem unattainable at times. However, several of Outlaws authors have become just that, bestsellers. And I feel that you, as an author, can also reach that goal if you'll be consistent in your writing, consistent in your seeking out just the right publisher. Stay true to the course, and it might not happen overnight, but it will happen if you don't falter and give up on your dream. Let the old cowboy help you. Don't be too proud to accept help when it's offered. I heard an expression on the radio the other day. If it's free, it's for me. What I'm trying to tell you is that publishing your book shouldn't cost you anything but a little effort and a lot of consistency. So how can I get some of that free stuff you're talking about, you're asking? One way is to send an email to jc at outlawspublishing.com or jc at theoldcowboy.net. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. This episode of the Wild West Showdown has been sponsored by Arthur Cliff Roberts. Cliff is one of Outlaw's newest members and has penned several bestsellers. He not only writes westerns, but he has sold many thrillers. You guys should check him out on Amazon and grab a couple of his books. I would highly recommend one of his westerns entitled Draw. It's a good read, folks, 
and it's only 99 cents on Amazon. We want to thank our singers, Jeremy Pinnell and the Monroe Brothers, for letting us share their music with you. Why don't you go over to Facebook and friend these two very talented folks. Tell them you heard them on the Wild West Showdown. And a very special thanks goes to Lon Safco for visiting with us today. Now, let's gather around for some good old cowboy wisdom. Tomorrow is the most important thing in our life. Comes into us at midnight very clean. It's perfect when it arrives, and it puts itself in our hands. It hopes we've learned something from yesterday. John Wayne. This is the old cowboy saying adios and happy trails. Come on back next week to the Wild West Showdown with the old cowboy J.C. Holsey.